Today's episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling is brought to you by our new sponsor, Eat Your Coffee. Energize the moment with Eat Your Coffee, a coffee company that was founded by coffee-deprived college students at Boston's Northeastern University. Today, the company is on a mission to get people energized with tasty caffeinated snacks. Every Eat Your Coffee bar is caffeinated with fair trade coffee, comparable to one cup, and is made with real ingredients so you can feel good with every energizing bite. And as always, energize the moment with eat your coffee the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production what's up guys it's the phenomenal aj styles you're listening to the two-man power trip oh my god this is joey styles and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast this is ricky the dragon steamboat this is cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling and you are listening to two-man power trip this is jimmy van the boogie woogie man tell my people and my brothers and sisters don't you dare miss john and chad hey everybody out there this is the franchise shane douglas remember me <laughs> well guys it's great to be on the show again i appreciate you asking me back so you said you were going to pinch yourself i didn't know it was that kind of show now i mean if you guys are in the privacy of your own home if you want to do these things good how you doing chad hey john cool man what's going on we're ready to go or what Hey man, what's up guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie! Homicide with a big homie club! Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling! Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two men power trip of wrestling. Now, ladies and gentlemen, as you well know, early in the year of 1986, in fact, it was at WrestleMania 2, two gentlemen surprised a lot of people when they became tag team champions, referring, of course, to the British Bulldogs, Davy Boy Smith and Dynamite Kid. And immediately following WrestleMania 2, Davy Boy, a lot of people said it's going to be a very short title reign for you and Dynamite. But here we are, winding down 1986, tag team title belt still firmly around your waist. That's right, all year of 86, and hopefully again, all year of 87. We've defended these belts against a lot of tag team combinations and we've come out successful and hopefully 1987 is going to be as good as 1986 was for the British Bulldogs and Matilda. A dynamite, there's no question you and Davey Boy have defended the titles all over the world and have literally faced every single contending team. But some people are feel that that schedule is beginning to be too much of a grind on you and Davey Boy, that you're beginning to be weakened and maybe ripe for the pickings early in 1987. You know, Ken... We've been on the road for a long time now with these belts, and it has been a grind. But the thing is, the Bulldogs have been working out every day. They've been running on the beaches, they've been pumping weights every chance they get. And there is a lot of strong combinations out there. The Foundation, Killer Bees, Rude Joe Brothers, I can go on and on. 
Valentine and Beefcake, but still, we have the belts around our waist. And any team that wants to challenge the British Bulldogs are welcome to sign a contract. We have an open contract to anybody, Stud, Bundy, anybody. We welcome you in 1987 to challenge us for these belts. You know, Davey Boy, when you and Dynamite first brought Matilda onto the scene, a lot of teams actually laughed at having a dog as a mascot, but she has proved a lot of people, and certainly to a lot of managers, wrong. That's right, Ken. Let me laugh first, laugh last. All these managers around here, they know what Matilda's capable of doing. They saw what they did to Slick. So Jimmy Hurt, Johnny Valiant, and Slick be workers. Matilda is here. Still, Still tag team champions. All right, let's get it rolling right here, right now. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling, brought to you today and powered by our new sponsor, Eat Your Coffee. Very proud to have them involved with the show, and you're going to be hearing a lot about this amazing product in the weeks and months to come, and we ask you to please support Eat Your Coffee and check them out today online. And if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only JP, John Paz. And John, today on the show, we are taking a trip back in time with one of my old favorites from the WWF and the AWA former announcer, Ken the Killer Ken Resnick who is also a part of the great Ring Warriors project, which we'll get to in just a minute. But so happy to have Ken Resnick join us. A guy who, when I first started watching wrestling back in 1987, was a guy that was still very involved with the promotional aspect of seeing him promote house shows in between matches and bringing the guys in for interviews and being such a key part of the promotional aspect of the WWF's business. And, and how he interacted with the performers at the time. Just a, an instant chemistry. But as you became a more evolved fan, you got to see that he worked for the AWA and, and how vital he was to the AWA's television experience. Uh, really cool to, to get Ken Resnick on the line and talk about some of these topics. Uh, but then again, to see him back in, like we're talking about as well with Ring Warriors. Another really cool facet and another really cool chapter in the career of Killer Ken Resnick. And John, as I welcome you in here now, I feel like we really could have talked to Ken Resnick all night. He's just one of those guys you could throw any topic at him and he'll bounce it right back at you. And he's just, he's seen so many of the great names in the business come in and out of the ring, as well as working for, obviously, Vince McMahon and, and Vern Gagne, two of the most accomplished and well-known promoters of the modern era, which is, uh, it's not too many people can say they work for both Vern and for Vince, but just so cool to get Ken Resnick on the line and uh, ask him about that old school because that's hey, that's what you and I were all about. We're all about the old school. Yeah, you know, he was pretty much, I mean, just ingrained in that 1980s wrestling. If it was whether AWA or whether the WWF, I mean, he was, you know, a voice, if you will, or one of the voices that you heard. Like you mentioned, when you were a kid, you remember him very well. One of the first guys you saw as far as the announcer role or the interviewer role, or the commentator role. I just, when I think of him, I just think of he's got that great voice, the golden tongue, if you will. You know, he, he was great at calling. He's great at interviewing the guys. I just liked everything about him, and he was so perfectly fit for the 80s, but then he's so perfect today when he's over there in Ring Warriors, which is on WGN America, which does have great production value. So check it out. For sure, and you'll definitely relive some memories listening to Ken Resnick calling some matches and doing some interviews. So that part is cool. My favorite part of, of this interview and be able to get Ken on 
was the fact that we can kind of deep dive into the boom period, into the golden era of wrestling, which was the 1980s. I love kind of his start in the AWA and how that thing got rolling and his relationship with Vern Gagne, basically the pressure, the nervousness, if you will, of replacing a guy like Mean Gene Okerlund, who obviously is one of the greatest of all time. And he moved on to WWF and Ken kind of filled his role within the AWA. I thought that was great. Great behind-the-scenes story there. He talks about Nick Bockwinkle, Kurt Henning, a younger Hulk Hogan before Hogan makes it big into WWF. But then he heads over to WWF with Hogan, and we get some more great stories about Hogan in the WWF as well. We talk about whether it was some recruitment involved by Vince to get him out of the AWA and into the WWF. And we do have a great, great story of what happened when he did meet Vince and did get hired and the certain mustache that disappeared that day. So that is some great stuff from Ken Resnick. And Chad, I know one thing for sure about you, I know you're obviously a big fan of Ken, but I know one thing for sure, you are definitely a closet AWA mark. (laughs) If you didn't know with uh, the Larry Zbysko episode from last week and then getting Ken on here, it's back-to-back AWA goodness on uh, on the two man power trip the last uh, couple weeks and actually hey let's even go back a few more weeks before that with bad company so we're really uh, running the gamut here on the AWA but you know when you think about the corny aspect of the AWA you think about the Wrestle Rock Rumble which I only call it corny because when you watch it now it it just it doesn't hold up in 2018 standards but from the great standards of the 80s it's epic and you will hear the Wrestle Rock Rumble going into the episode here with Ken. And Ken's got some killer Ken lines in it. He's got some great rapping ability uh, to that Wrestle Rock Rumble. When if you watch the video, and there's even funny, uh, there's uh, a kayfabe commentaries where they they watch it with Jim Cornette. Just hilarious to see the people involved, like Kurt Hennig and Scott Hall and Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty and even Vern Gagne getting on there and uh, spitting out some rhymes. Uh, and even Nick Bockwinkle, Larry Zbysko, man, it, the Wrestle Rock Rumble was no joke. And uh, it's just, it's very funny to see how it didn't really hold up. So great right now, but it's great in terms of the uh, the 1980s uh, view of things. But again, just Kenny's such a pro uh, and really brings that, you know, big match feel, that big event feel to it because, you know, he's just a classic voice. He's just an old school sounding announcer. And that's what's missing in all sports, not just wrestling from my point of view, but also all kinds of sports. That guy who sounds like an announcer and he's just, he's so accomplished. And with Ring Warriors on WGN America, you know, it's another great opportunity for people who work in the wrestling business to have work and bring in an experienced guy like Ken who can sit there with a young guy and say, listen, you know, I was with Hogan when Hogan was doing this, or I was with the Macho Man when the Macho Man was trying to figure this out. And even to share those stories with the younger talent, it will resonate with them. And John, just before we get rolling into the wrap up here, you know, Ring Warriors, it's a cool project. Um, it's got its second TV tapings, like Ken was telling us on the episode, so that's a good sign. But, you know, you always want to root for these upstarts, and you always want to root for these uh, up-and-coming products because you want people to be working, and especially a guy like Ken Resnick. It's a great parallel between the old school and the new school. Absolutely. It is pretty cool when you can kind of get the old school announcer or somebody from the golden era, the heyday of wrestling, and kind of mix them in and intertwine them with today's wrestling but have it 
executed well. You know, you don't want to just kind of have somebody out there and it's kind of a nostalgia thing and it doesn't really work or it doesn't really fit. So having Ken out there and Ken doing his thing and having it fit so well, that's that's what makes it cool. That's what makes it work. And, and you have that familiar voice and you have that golden tongue and you have that guy that has been there and done it. And like you said, work with the Hogan's of the world and kind of interwoven into this new age of wrestling in 2018. It's pretty damn cool. And, you know, it's pretty random getting Ken Resnick back in the business. Like he talks about in the interview, he was gone and away from the business for quite a while and kind of uh, doing a different thing and doing his own thing. But it's great when you can kind of bring the guy back into the fold and he basically, you know, doesn't skip a beat he he's right back in it and, and it's almost like it's back in the old days of the awa or even the old days of uh, when he was part of the wwf absolutely and we want to thank him for coming on and talking about all this because like we said we could have gone all night with him and even continued the conversation for a couple of minutes after the episode had finished recording the interview portion and just a very fun time talking to ken resnick bringing back a lot of great memories and hopefully uh, you can appreciate them because uh, we love talking about it. So want to thank Ken again. And if you got the chance to listen to this, Ken, it was our pleasure. And best of luck with everything going on. And hopefully we get to see you next summer at the big uh, gathering convention down in North Carolina. So with all that being said, again, we want to welcome in our new sponsor, Eat Your Coffee. We're going to be rolling out a huge promotion with them over the next few months. So stay tuned to that and listen to all the great information we have to send you in the direction of Eat Your Coffee and the great people that you have over there. I want to thank Megan for all her work and putting this all together and uh, kind of teaming up here with the two-man power trip because let me tell you something, folks. If you haven't tried one of their bars, it's a, it's a pretty good cup of joe that they've got loaded into the uh, to that bar. So we will be talking more about that in the weeks and months to come. So I guess there's really nothing else to say, but let's uh, get it rolling on here to the episode. Let's hit him with some two-man power trip of wrestling business, and let's get it on over to one of the great ones, Killer Ken, Ken Resnick. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno San Martino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, TMPTofWrestling.com. And for all you Android users, please hit us up on Google Play or Player FM. And all you iOS users, please check us out on TuneIn Radio, Automatic, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. And now, without any further ado, he is a former announcer for the AWA and a former announcer for the WWF. You may know him not only as an announcer, but as an interviewer and a commentator as well. He is the killer. Ten Enjoy. 
Ken Resnick, and I'm here to say we've got the greatest wrestlers in the AWA. But you're not here to listen to me mumble. Let's fill you in on the Wrestle Rock Rumble. Get on! Wrestle Rock, be there. With the Midnight Rockers, Sean and Marty. We love to wrestle, and we love to party. You don't have to worry, we're not gonna fumble, cause we'll, we'll be shaking through the Wrestle Rock Rumble. Ow! Wrestle Rock. I'm the shit, and that's not funny. I got my army a lot of money. If Gunny in my way, I make him crumble. He be sorry. I did the Wrestle Rock Rumble. Wrestle Rock, be there. I'm Jerry Blackwell. I want to see. I want to get my hands on that pencil neck geek. As I watch the EDF fumble, I'm gonna make my splash in the Wrestle Rock Rumble. The AWA, you, me, and Wrestle Rock. Gunyan, I'm in a rage. I want Brody and I want him in a cage. A high flying drop kick will make him see double. I grind him up at the Wrestle Rock Rumble. Woo! I'm Larry Zabisco. I won't be through till I get done slapping around Scott and the two. Gonna beat the ugly bartender into a bundle and laugh all the way doing Wrestle Rock Rumble. Ow! This game talk got a mouth that won't quit, but I'm Scott McGee and want to smack a little shit. And when I'm through, you won't be able to mumble. I'll be left alone doing the Rattle Rock Rumble. Yeah! Just one last word from the former champ, Burn, but give it a lot of thought to one more turn. There's some old scores that still give me trouble, and I'm starting to get the urge to do the Rattle Rock Rumble. So there you have it, and now you know them. And on April 20th, it's at the Dome. So get your tickets to be under the bubble, because you two can be doing the Wrestle Rock Rumble. Do it! Wrestle uh. Rock Rumble. Wrestle uh. Rock Rumble. Well, joining us on the line tonight is a guy who's done it all in the wrestling business, whether he's being an announcer, an interviewer, or a commentator in both the AWA and the WWF. One of the first guys who I ever saw on WWF programming. So happy to be joined by him tonight. All the way up there in those Twin Cities, the great Ken Resnick joins the two-man power trip of wrestling. Mr. Resnick, a.k.a. Ken Resnick, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good, Chad. Uh, great to be with you and John. Uh, I, I appreciate the adjective of great. I don't know if I'd go quite that far, but I, but I, I appreciate you doing it. <laughs> hey, listen, anybody who comes out of that era and is professional like you are and makes you feel like you're watching something big, you're a part of something big, you're always going to be great. And we just we always look back at those glory days of the mid '80s uh, and professional wrestling, with such fun, fun memories, and uh, you're a big part of that. And we, uh, we collectively thank you as not just the host of the show, but as fans of that era. Well, Chad, that's very nice of you, and uh, I, I certainly appreciate the kind words. Well, thank you very much. So, I guess the, the main question would be to start it off: What's Ken Resnick up to these days up in uh, the the cold? It seems, uh, which is very strange for Minnesota. <laughs> Up there in the Twin Cities, yeah, what's going on in your world? <laughs> Today there's going to be like a, a 40 degree temperature change. Um, I, I'm really excited uh, 
kind of back in the industry doing uh, interviews and a part of the, the new show Ring Warriors uh, that airs on WGN America. Um, so, it, and uh, they film in Las Vegas where uh, I'm sure you guys know when I started off in the AWA, we used to go out every month and film at the showboat. Uh, so it's almost like and I've, I've come full circle again. Yeah, you know, and with that Ring Warriors and being in Las Vegas, it's uh, it's really cool to see that there's uh, a little bit of wrestling life out there in uh, Las Vegas. It seems like there's a lot of wrestling entities starting to pop up, but when I think of Vegas, I think of the AWA and those uh, those showboat shows and thinking of them doing Atlantic City shows. Like It seems like when I think of those casinos, the AWA is the professional wrestling that comes to mind. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was fun, and also, you're exactly right, we did some pro wrestling USA shoots, uh, I think at the Tropicana in Atlantic City, uh, so <laughs> I, I don't know if it's good or bad, but uh, I spent a lot of time in casinos over the years, <laughs> but uh, I, I, at least the codicil, I can say I, I was there working, not necessarily gambling. <laughs> Well, I'm sure some some of the boys left some money behind back in uh, back in those days, especially in uh, in Las Vegas. But you know, I got to mention this, and this is my bad on my part. I don't know how I left off the AWF because whether I was the only fan of the AWF, I, I got to say again, having you on the AWF is what I thought brought a lot of credibility to the television product. So I'm going to throw the AWF out there as well as needing a little bit of love as we start this interview off. Well, Chad, I, I appreciate that, and doing the AWF uh, was great, but, you know, they, they had a great deal of credibility. Remember, we had uh, Sergeant Slaughter, Tito Santana, uh, the Road Warriors were on uh, a couple of the episodes, so they, there was a, a whole lot more credibility with the the uh, AWF than, than, than me, but, you know, <laughs> I appreciate you using my name in that same vein. <laughs> hey, look, a commentator, an interviewer is going to be a, a large part of what the uh, the collective audience is going to see. But I want to just touch here on the Ring Warriors again. I mean, obviously, it's a huge time for wrestling outside of the WWE, whether it's an independent entity that's getting the opportunity to have a bigger audience. Obviously, getting television, especially on a WGN, is another huge, huge accomplishment whether it's uh, 2018 or not, any wrestling on a uh, on an on a big network like that is a big deal. So, what was it that brought you back to wrestling after all these years? Was it what they thought they could offer in terms of the television product, or was it something you wanted to fulfill after stepping away? Well, uh, the executive producer uh, of Ring Warriors was someone that I had worked with. In fact, back with the AWF, uh, I worked with him when I did the Bryant Gumble. Celebrity Golf Tournament for ESPN from Walt Disney World uh, a number of years ago. He was a good friend. Uh, you know, we, we'd always stayed in touch. And uh, kind of out of the clear blue, um, early in the summer, he called and told me he was going to be uh, producing Ring Warriors. Uh, and, you know, I remembered it a, a little bit from... Howard Brody and uh, Mr. Matsudo, Hiro Matsudo, who, who I'd met when I was over in, in Tokyo, uh, had a legacy, and then we were talking about it, and he kind of told me that they're going to do it a, a little bit more the old-school vein. Uh, they want to have you know backstage interviews 
which is you know a good chance for the the wrestlers and who's ever doing the the interviews to to try and get those characters established and he said and we want you to do it um so it, it was a, an easy decision to get a chance to to work with a friend and to to get involved and and do you know wrestling again uh on television and then I had the chance and and talked a little bit more with uh Howard Brody, who, who was involved, and they made it pretty clear that they were kind of excited to, to have me, you know, with the experience to, to try and help uh, get over and, and get established some of the younger wrestlers who really hadn't been on television much, who hadn't done uh, interviews, and at the same time, they were going to have... Uh, some veterans involved, uh, which, which also appealed to me. And when, when I got out there, as I mentioned, and, and I, I really never thought much about it. It's almost, you kind of can't see the forest when you're in the trees that in, in talking to some of the veterans that were out there and guys that I had worked with, they remarked that how excited they were, because it was really the first chance, you know, that after having been in wrestling for, you know, some over a decade, their first chance to be on, on national television. And as I, I talked to them and, and that realization kind of came forward, I thought to myself, in professional wrestling, how, how lucky have, have I been? in that, you know, I never worked in, in the small territories or, or had the, you know, seven, ten-hour car rides. My first inroad in wrestling was, was the AWA, where we were, you know, flying and going to Chicago and Winnipeg and Milwaukee and Denver and uh, Salt Lake and, and Las Vegas. And I, I have never really taken that for granted, but really hadn't thought that much about it in, until talking with a lot of those guys. And then also just the enthusiasm of some of the younger wrestlers knowing that this is their chance, they're going to be on national television and to kind of help not only build a brand of, of ring warriors, but try and help build the brand of, of some of these young and up-and-coming stars, as well as being part of debuts on national television of, of guys that have worked and honed their craft for decades or more, uh, just kind of brought the, the excitement of, of wrestling you know, back to me again. Now, that's really cool. And, and what it's done, too, is it's uh, brought another classic name back from that bygone era and obviously it's been you it's been sean mooney and tony Schiavone returning to professional wrestling television now i i think one question would be for sure is how much has the business changed from when you stepped away and, and left obviously it's you know it's been a long time but what do you think about the uh the differences in when you left versus coming back in well you know remember when I started, and, and you guys will certainly know this term, it, it was the, the kayfabe era um, where, you know, the inside of the business were, was so protected. And now, of course, it, it, it's out there that as sports entertainment, but 
one thing that hasn't really changed, and I got a chance to, to talk to a lot of the, the wrestling fans when I was out in Vegas for the, the first Ring Warriors taping. In fact, I'm going back again uh, Monday. We'll be taping it at Samstown uh, this Wednesday and Thursday. He is wrestling fans, and, and I've used this analogy before, it's almost like, Chad, when you or, or John go to a, a movie, you know, say you go to a, a, a Star Wars film or a Jurassic Park or, or a James Bond, you know going into the theater that it's, it's fiction. But when you're watching the movie, you just want to become engrossed and believe in the film you're watching, you know, for the, the time you're, you're in the theater. And I think wrestling fans today, while they're either watching on television or at matches in person, still want to, you know, believe in the characters and believe in what they're seeing. So from that standpoint, while the the presentation, I think, has, has certainly changed, certainly in the sports entertainment era, the core of wrestling, I, I really don't think has changed that much. I mean, it, it's, it's great when, when guys are, 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 are good talkers and, and can put forth their character, but it doesn't matter how good a talker you are. If you can't wrestle and work and perform in the ring, your staying power is not going to be very long. Yeah, that's very well said. And I'm sure with these TV tapings, and that's great to hear that you're going back for another round because, you know, like being on WGN, that's great exposure. Uh, but, you know, you're no, um, you know, <laughs> you know what it's like to be in terms of a grueling television production schedule. And that's really, really, I got to say, and hearing that we were talking tonight, the one thing I've always kind of wondered, especially during your era, those grueling television tapings where you just did interview after interview after interview for all the markets. Is that something that is much different in terms of the preparation that you're doing for a Ring Warriors taping versus some of those superstars and uh, challenge tapings from 1986, 1987? Uh, it, difference is night and day be, because back when I was in WWF, every, you know, there was no national cable deals. Everything was, was market-specific. And I think my personal record was at the Meadowlands. We started doing interviews at 11 o'clock in the morning and continued through and we're still doing interviews while the, the show itself was going on where I think I did like 111 during that day. Wow. Uh, and, and I remember at the end, I, I was just so exhausted that the guys, the production crew set up, you know, one of those huge camera cases on its end just out of the shot. So they would open on a two shot and then go in quickly just on the talent on a one shot. So I could literally actually lean <laughs> to, to stay standing <laughs> on the big camera case. Wow. So from that standpoint, um, it, 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 it's hugely different. Like with Ring Warriors, if we're going to do, say, three or four interviews within a one-hour show, you do three or four interviews. 
back in, in, in WWF time, if you were going to do three or four interviews within a show, it was three or four interviews, you know, times about 48 markets. <laughs> <laughs> so, so from that standpoint, it, 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 it's really changed, but you know, the, the interview itself is, is basically still the same. You're, you're trying to, uh, well, one thing has changed in, in, in WWF, uh, because it was so big, even back then, every interview had a, a purpose. It, it was either to promote a upcoming house show or promote a upcoming pay-per-view or to try and promote and uh, some merchandise to, to try and get sold. So in, in that, it, it's a little different than the interviews now with Ring Warriors, which are, you know, right now more to either establish a, a, an upcoming match uh, on that show or to reaffirm an emerging or continuing storyline or just to create and get over the individual character uh, of whatever wrestler. Um, and, I mean, it, it, it's still been, been great for me a, as a fan uh, of the sport, um, when I did the, the first Ring Warriors taping uh, a month ago, uh, that was the first time, even though I, I certainly had seen him, knew him, was a fan of his work, that was the first time I'd ever met and had a chance to, to work with Austin Aries, so, uh, who's a, a, a big part of Ring Warriors. So, you know, even having been in and around the industry for so long, there's still other people that you admire that suddenly you get a chance to, to, to work with. That is pretty cool that you are very familiar with current talent, you know, being an old school guy and obviously being a part of the golden era, but how familiar are you over the years with current wrestling, were you always kind of keeping up with it or only recently when, when you came back to ring warriors? Oh, no, I, you know, I, I mean, it, it's like anything. I think when, when you work in, in, in any industry, uh, and you, you enjoyed your time there, you, you always try and, and keep up, you know, with whatever changes are taking place. But I, I should share this story. I think you and John will kind of get a kick out of it. I thought to myself, boy, you, you know it's been a while because at the at the first Ring Warriors taping, they had, you know, 30-plus wrestlers that were there. And as I'm going over the roster, the only wrestler that, that I knew and had been lucky enough to work with a, a few times over the years was Tokyo Monster Cahagas, who, who's such a, a, a great talent, and I'm, I'm just so happy, you know, I was able to be a part of, of his national TV debut, but I said to myself, there's got to be a little message here, when out of 30 plus wrestlers, the only one I know is Tokyo Monster, and he's the only one that doesn't talk. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, 
pretty ironic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, to say the least. Uh, but, you know, I, I do, I mean, uh, and, you know, I, I see the, um, I guess, backlash, if you will, that, uh, especially on social media, that, that so many people um, take issue with the way WWE is, is you know, doing their, their storylines, if you will. Uh, but I, I kind of, every time I see that, uh, I kind of laugh because, you know, all these people, you know, dislike it. They don't like this. They don't like that about it. But they all have one thing in common. They still watch every week. <laughs> <laughs> Very uh, true. Very you know, true. So uh, it, it's different. And uh, I, I think, it, as you've talked about, it, it's such a, a, a great time. Uh, and professional wrestling, if you think about it, has always kind of been a little cyclical. You know, it, it was very popular, and then the popularity would drop off for a while, then it would kind of come back up. And, and uh, I, I think it's it's certainly on uh, the upswing. Um, and for one reason that I think, I mean, WWE, even if you're a major, major market, they might only get there a couple times a year. So you're starting to see, you know, other promotions begin to thrive again. Um, and, you know, the, the crowd at Samstown for the first Ring Warriors taping was very enthusiastic. Uh, so it, as, as we've talked about, that if you give wrestling fans a good product, whether it's in person or on TV, they're going to come back. Uh, and I mean, it, it's it's the the same thing uh, with with any sport. Um, if you're in a market that that has you know one of the pro sports major sports sports, if you have a good team, even if they're not winning a lot, if, if they're entertaining and you go to the game or you watch the game on TV and, and you're entertained where it's a positive experience, you're going to try and go to another game or certainly watch another game on TV. And I think the same holds true for wrestling, that if you're entertained and you become invested in the product, you're going to continue to support the product whether it's on TV or in person. Absolutely. And if I could rewind it back, and I'm just very curious because the AWA and Vern Gagne, I mean, obviously for a while there was doing great business, one of the major territories, but they had so many major stars that went through there. And you think of all these great guys, you know, the Hogan's of the world, Kurt Hennig, but you had to replace one of the all-time just great such a memorable guy, and just to me, would seem like such a hard guy to follow, and that's Mean Gene Oakland. What was it like there when you kind of are, are brushed into the AWA and you basically are kind of replacing a, a legend? Well, you know, I had, Vern had hired me in my background before coming to the AWA. I was doing, uh, I was a sports director doing the 6 and 10 o'clock news on an NBC affiliate. And when I started in the AWA, 
I had only been there a few weeks. Um, they were at that point, you know, looking to, to expand. Uh, and again, as we talked about, you're doing interviews for all the, you know, every single market. Everything is market specific. The plan was to, to gradually, I was also working in the office and involved in post-production. And the plan was for me to gradually, you know, start doing interviews for some of the, the smaller markets to even throughout the, the taping day to give Gene a break. And suddenly Gene left. I mean, he told them he was going to the WWF and, and he was gone. So I think I had only done just a, a couple interviews. Uh, in fact, if, if I recall, it was for the station, the AWA market in La Crosse, Wisconsin, which was one of the smaller AWA markets. And suddenly, you know, I was the guy. Um, and I, I, I told this story. Uh, I was so lucky from working in the office um, and Blackjack Lanza also worked in, and spent time working in the office. We got to be pretty good friends. You know, we would go to lunch together a lot during the week. And we, you know, certainly at that point, I was closer to Jack than anyone. And I remember going to the station the first full interview day where I'm going to be doing, you know, Minneapolis, my hometown, and Chicago, and Winnipeg, and Denver, you know, every, every interview was mine. Um, and I definitely w was, was nervous and, and apprehensive. Um, you know, even thinking about it, you know, doing an interview with, say, Kurt Henning, who was just beginning to emerge, but doing an, an interview with Kurt for lacrosse, was a little different than doing an interview with the Road Warriors for Chicago. Um, and, you know, I, I think Jack could tell, and, you know, I was there early, and, and we were having coffee as they were setting up, and Jack said to me, can I give you some advice? And I said, God, yes, absolutely, anything. He said two things, and he talked about what you brought up. You know, he said, you're following Okerlund, who was, mean gene he goes you can't be mean gene nor should you be you've got to do it in your style you've got to do it how you do it because if you're trying to fake you the fans will see through it the boys will see through it it'll be a disaster so just be yourself and he said most importantly, you know the best way to get yourself over? And he said, and I'm talking about not only with the boys, but with the fans. I said, no, Jack, you know, whatever you can tell me. He said, the best way to get yourself over, don't ever try and get yourself over. And I have remembered that advice and even the, the first day of doing Ring Warriors, right before, well, they were setting up before the first interview. In my head, I always repeat those words from Blackjack. Don't ever try and get yourself over. Now, and I think as it, as it turned out, by heeding those words, I, 
I, I think the, the fans and, and the wrestlers came to appreciate the work I did because I was all about trying to get the talent over and make them believe in that moment. And I, I, every time I, I do anything, I always repeat those words to myself in my mind before I start. Hey, let's pause for one second to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Eat Your Coffee. Eat Your Coffee is a coffee company that was founded by coffee-deprived college students that pioneered a new category in caffeinated natural snacks. The company's first product line, Eat Your Coffee Bars, are a date-based snack bar caffeinated with fair trade coffee, which would be comparable to one cup, and made with real ingredients so you can feel good with every energizing bite. Eat Your Coffee Bars are non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, kosher, 70% organic and available in three delicious flavors, including fudgy mocha latte, salted caramel macchiato. Eat your coffee snack bars are non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, kosher, 70% organic, and available in three delicious flavors, including fudgy mocha latte, salted caramel macchiato, and peanut butter mocha, my personal favorite. Now that is an energizing combination because they are on a mission to help get people energized with naturally caffeinated snacks made with real, ethically sourced ingredients. So if you want more information, head on over to www.eatyour.coffee as well as follow them on Instagram, follow them on Facebook, follow them on Pinterest, and follow them on Twitter and get all the information on how you can energize the moment with Eat Your Coffee Bars. That is pretty great advice and obviously you listened to the advice and did a great job with it and then not too far down the road, obviously Vince McMahon kind of stays in and takes you away from the AWA. He obviously thought, oh, wow, there's another great piece of talent, great announcer, guy I can use. How did he actually basically get you to leave the AWA and come over to WWF? Well, you know, let me kind of clear up a, a, a misnomer. Um, I was done. <clears throat> My, I just decided, in fact, there, it was right after Wrestle Rock, uh, and, and it had nothing to do with, although it easily could have, it had nothing to do with the Wrestle Rock Rumble. But hmm. I, I decided um, I was done. And uh, I told Mike Shields, who was the executive producer, that that was it. I'm, I'm done. Um, and I was actually, before I got into television, I was district sales manager for Chrysler Corporation, not a dealership, but for Chrysler Corporation. And I had already had some conversation about going back. So I, I was done. And the truth is, uh, Russell Rock was a, a Sunday night. And Monday night, uh, Jack Lanza, who you know we had remained very close and, and are still close, he had already left and he was working for WWF and he happened to call the, the following night <clears throat> called me at home and, you know, I just want to find out what happened, how the crowd was, you know, what they did. Uh, and you know, we talked and I told him and, you know, I want to know how Waylon Jennings was, you know, who, who did the, the, the post-match concert. And we were just about <clears throat> wrapping up. And he said, anything else? And I said, uh, no. I said, well, I quit. I'm done. And he just said, ah, BS. And I said, no, that's it, Jack. I'm, I'm, I'm done. Uh, 
uh, you know, without, I won't get into the reasons, but he, he was aware. And I said, that's it. I'm just, I'm, I'm done. Um, and he said, what are you going to do? And, you know, I told him and he knew my background that I, I had had some conversations and thought there was a pretty good chance that I could go back to work, um, for Chrysler. And he said, look, he said, you haven't agreed to anything. And I said, no. And he said, I'm coming home tomorrow night. Don't do anything. And he said, we'll get together when I'm home. And, you know, I, I didn't think much of it. And I said, no, nah, I'm not even going to talk to him for a week. And, you know, in Jackson, I'll call you. And the next night he called and he said, listen, let's say we'll have breakfast in the morning. And I said, great, because I hadn't seen him for, you know, probably a couple months, although we, we had talked. And I said, terrific. And Jack said, I'll pick you up. And I said, okay, great. What time? He said, 530. I said, Jack, I love you. I ain't getting up at 530 in the morning <laughs> at breakfast with anybody. Are you nuts? He said, I'm picking you up at 530. And I said, and I'm laughing, and he's, and I, I'm just saying, no way. And he said, I'm picking you up. I'll be out front at 5:30, and wear a coat and tie. And <laughs> I said, you really? I, I said, you get hit with a chair or what? <laughs> and he said, we're going to see Vince. And I, I said, come on, Jack. I've seen you in action. You don't really think I'm buying this rib, do you? And he said, you call Northwest Airlines. You ask if there's not a prepaid ticket in your name on the 6:40 flight tomorrow to LaGuardia, and I did. There was. We went, and I, I got out to the offices in Stanford and kind of saw people. You know, I had a chance to to meet with people of uh, kind of lower in in the hierarchy. Um, yeah, I, I met with Terry Garvin. I met with Pat Patterson. I met with George Scott. And then, you know, I would spend some time with them, go back to the lobby. And then, you know, I would go sit down with someone else. And then finally I got into, to see Vince, um, which obvious everybody else must've said, yeah, he's a good guy. I think he'll, he can help us and, you know, we should hire him. Um, so it, he did not take me away from the AWA. Um, you know, I, I, I was done. And I, well, granted, I think Vince did hire a, a lot of people away from the AWA. That was not the, my case. And meeting Vince must have been not, I wouldn't say a lot of pressure per se, but, you know, obviously maybe a little intimidating. What were your kind of thoughts then in there? Did you, did you think like, Oh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get hired today. I'm going to hit this head of the park or kind of, what were your feelings on, on Vince and then working for the WWF? Um, yeah, I didn't know if they were looking for somebody immediately, if they just thought this was a good opportunity to meet me, if something came up, you know, down the road. Uh, and it, 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 it's interesting, funny, and absolutely true. Within the first five minutes of the the conversation, it was just Vince and I in his office, just you know one on one. Uh, within five minutes, he said, "Tell me about your mustache." And 
I looked at him, you know, I said, I don't understand. You know, I, I was like, well, it's above my lip, below my nose, centered. I, I don't know what you want to know. <laughs> and you want to know when I grew it, how important it was to me. Um, and he finally told me, he said, you know, uh, despite Gene, he said, I, he said, I detest or whatever word to use, made it clear he did not like facial hair. And, you know, he made that statement and he just looked at me and I said, if I'm correct here, if you're kind of asking if everything would work out, would I be willing to shave my mustache? And he said, would you? And I said, I would. And, you know, that was it. We talked for probably another hour uh, about all different things. And he asked what I was being paid uh, by the AWA. And I told him. And he, he said, well, he said, I appreciate that. And I had a quizzical look. He said, I knew what you were making. He said, you're honest. We talked a little bit more, and then he said, if I would offer you X, when would you be able to start? And I remember, I looked at my watch, and it was significantly more than, than I had been getting. Uh, I looked at my watch, and I said, well, it's about 3.20. We could round it up and say I could start at 3.30. <laughs> and he, he laughed. And he just looked at me, didn't say anything. Literally, he pulled open his desk drawer, pulled out a razor, a can of shaving cream, and said, bathroom's right through that door. And I shaved my mustache right then and there. <laughs> and then I, I walked back out, and Vince uh, you know, just said, you showed me something. And I said, that would be, he said, that when you say something, you back it up. He said, you'll start Saturday in Detroit. And that's how I got hired. Wow, that is a uh, great story, and I love that you're going kind of tit for tat with Vince. Like, oh, shave the mustache, I'll shave the mustache. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. So you weren't uh, intimidated headed, heading into uh, the big office or heading into the big land of the WWF, where a lot of your other contemporaries were kind of making a big home, like me and Gene. Was it kind of well, easier well, for you seeing those guys? I, I should clear it up a little. I, I, I don't know that I'd go right to um, I, I wasn't I- intimidated by Vince because if you notice, I didn't say, no, I won't shave it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it, it, was, it, it was great, and you know, I'm, I'm sure that Vince, well, obviously Jack Lanza put a good word in for me because he was the only one that knew I, I had left you know, AWA, um, and from, you know, Monday night to Tuesday night, this came together about me flying out there with him. Um, but you know, sure. It was great. You know, uh, Hulk was there, uh, you know, Bobby Heenan was there. So it, 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 I had some familiarity and certainly, you know, in, in those days, at least, you know, being in the Midwest, obviously, I was extremely familiar with the AWA having been there for years, but, you know, I watched like, you know, everyone else. This was when, you know, 
Vince was taking WWF nationally. So it was a little different situation for me in that even though I hadn't worked with them, I, I didn't need to be really filled in or, or, or brief. I mean, I knew who the Macho Man and, and Miss Elizabeth were. I knew who Rowdy Roddy Piper was. I knew, you know, Georgie Animal Steel and Lou Albano and, and, and Bret Hart uh, and, and the late, you know, Jim the Anvil uh, and, and Freddie Blassie. And, you know, so I, I knew who everyone was. So probably, you know, I was able to... to you know, hit the ground running more so than, than normal because, you know, I, I knew, um, all these guys. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm working, uh, I've just got to get together with a buddy of mine who has the technology. It, it took a while. Um, but on, on VHS, I actually got a copy, uh, of the interview where he had used a little in the AWA and then when he left, it, it kind of died out. Um, one of the first interviews with, that I did with Hulk and WWF where he made a big deal and gave me the, the name, you know, killer can to kind of follow in, you know, mean gene to, to have a, a nickname. Um, and I mean, it, it, it shows the power, you know, even in the mid eighties that, that WWF and certainly, you know, Hulkamania had because fans still use that Novi by that name today. So um, I, I've got a copy and I'm trying to get it figured out a way to, to upload it, to be able to, to put a, a copy of that interview on my page. That is great. I love that people remember Killer Ken brother and, 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 uh, him saying that because when he says something, it definitely sticks with uh, whoever he's saying it about. I mean, that's for sure. Yep, yep. Uh, it was, um, you know, and, and um, I, I somehow just kind of sit back and, and marvel as, as you talked about the, the tremendous star power and, and the heyday, uh, you know, of the AWA and, and being a part of the, 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 the heyday and, and the emerging juggernaut that, you know, went from WWF to, to now that has become uh, WWE and, and just, uh, you know, marvel at, at being a part of that, um, you know, and, and being on the inside and, and setting up, I mean, some of the, to this day, uh, some of the greatest, you know, feuds, uh, and, and storylines uh, in wrestling. Uh, and the people that, you know, I have had the, I mean, really privilege of, of getting to, to work with. Um, you know, besides doing the interviews, you know, I think back now, how lucky was I to, to be able to do color commentary with Gorilla Monsoon from the, the old, the legendary Boston Garden and, and Maple Leaf Gardens in, in Toronto. And, you know, there's times when I just I, I kind of think about it or, uh, and, and the great thing for, for me, especially about social media, um, when you're doing it, you know, when you did have days off, I didn't really watch myself on TV that much. 
so nowadays when people dig out some of the the classic interviews and, and post them on on social media yeah, I get a chance to 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 watch them um and you know pictures and things emerge that you know I never really kept or or knew existed um that I now have through through social media uh, in fact, one of the great ones talking about the old uh, AWA, uh, one of the great storylines back then was, you know, the feud between Nick Bockwinkle and, and Vern Gagne. And the, the kind of subplot was Nick and Bobby always claimed that Nick's sleeper was legal and, and Burns was a chokehold. Um, and we did an interview and, you know, rest, God rest both their souls, but I just know Bobby Heenan came up with the idea uh, where Nick decided, uh, you know, in the middle of the interview, you know, he took the mic for me and told Bobby, here, hold this and uh, put the Bockwinkle sleeper on me. Uh, and I, I didn't know, I, I, I had no picture of that, didn't really know it existed anywhere. But now, I mean, it could be found on, on YouTube, which, I didn't know, and somebody had a screen grab. So I've now got a picture, literally, of, of Bobby and Nick and I from that interview where Nick is putting the sleeper on me. So, you know, there's just been a lot of, you know, great memories that, that have been, you know, brought forth again. Um, and, you know, the... Anyone that that that's done uh, television knows the the kind of excitement and the growing pains that that come with launching a, a new program. It, whether it's it's a new show, whether whether it's a sitcom, whether it's a, a, a drama action, you know, there's a, a certain amount of of excitement, and again, you know, some growing pains with launching a new show. And to be able to to have that excitement and see the enthusiasm and be part of of launching Ring Warriors uh, is just great again and of and in itself. Now, as we start to wind it down here, obviously Ring Warriors it, it's a big. Thing. It was a big topic of uh, discussion, obviously, and, and we're going to talk about WGN America again and plug that again just in one second. But I have to ask you, you mentioned Killer Ken. You mentioned the great thing with Heenan and the AWA and Bockwinkle and obviously the feud with Byrne. But is there any other kind of favorite moment or, or maybe favorite interview or maybe even favorite match you call that you had in the business that, that kind of just sticks out maybe above others? Um. You know, a, a lot of the the interviews w- were so great because, like, every time I did an interview with with Jack Lanza, I, I loved it because Jack was was such a close friend, um, and and got to know you know my mom and and family members and the same. I mean, I I I genuinely love, you know, Nick and, and Bobby, um, and really got to know the crusher. I mean, so, so all of, of, of those 
interviews, you know, stand out as special. I mean, the, uh, we talked about the one where, you know, Nick put the sleeper on me, certainly the one, um, in, in WWF, um, where Hulk really decided to put me over and, and, and give me the, the killer Ken, you know, moniker. And the truth is he didn't, he didn't give me a heads up. I mean, we didn't, the, the vast majority of interviews, sometimes I'd say, you got anything special? Nah, you start, I'll follow you, or let's get this or that. You know, they were all just off the cuff. They were, you know, they weren't scripted. They weren't rehearsed. They were all extemporaneous. And I remember, you know, obviously that's one that sticks out because when we started it, I think I was hitting uh, the the feud, uh, the emerging feud with Hulk and, and Adrian Adonis at the time. Um, and so I kind of brought him, you know, led with that and brought him in. And I'm going, you know, immediately to try and advance that storyline. And he just kind of says, wait a minute, before we do that, there's something you and I got to get straight. You know, and I kind of said, you know, whatever you say, Hulk. Uh, and in my mind, I'm going, what the hell is he doing? Uh, and, and, you know, that's when he really, you know, put, uh, me over, which was incredibly gracious of him. Um, you know, that one stands out. Um, the, the one time that I was on Piper's pit, um, which was such a, a legendary segment. Uh, and, you know, having, again, didn't really have any, but people over the years have posted photos of that, uh, on social media. Uh, that one certainly stands out. Uh, the one, the, the interviews with George, the animal steel, uh, were just so much fun. You, you just never knew what he was going to do. Um, so, you know, all of those, you know, memories kind of come, you know, flooding back. And, uh, it, it's like when, when I try and think of one or two, about 30 will come, you know, flying in. It's hard to narrow it down, but listen, killer Ken, before we get into the, uh, the, the plugs here, we talk about ring warriors one more time. I, I got to ask you this. This is how we usually like to end it. You know, we put, we put you over like crazy because we do love that era. We love to go back and we watch, you know, 1980s wrestling. And I'll, I'll tell you something. I mean, I pop it on just when I want to kill time just because I can go back and see something either that has been newly uncovered and I'm just seeing it for the first time or, or, or an event that I can basically recite at this point. But when you think about what you've done in the wrestling business and you see the outpouring of fan support and the fans wanting to talk about these old times and wanting to hear the stories what do you want the fans to, fans to remember about Ken Resnick and what you did and what you provided to the business? Um, I, I guess kind of really, you know, what we, we, we talked about a little that um, I never really tried to, to make it about me. It was always uh, about the, the business and trying to make them believe, um, you know, when it, it was a lot like being an actor in that when I got ready to, 
to do interviews, I had to put myself in the thought process of everything I'm going to say is real. I mean, I'm talking to to this guy that he wants to kill this other guy that just, you know, hopefully, you know, I, I made them believe and, you know, maybe added it, added to, to their experience and, and made it a little more positive. And, you know, when I get and read some of the comments on, on social media, um, from fans that, you know, I don't know, or that I have, you know, never met. Um, and they express, you know, either their, their, their gratitude or how much they in, enjoyed my work and, and remember things from, you know, 20 years ago. It, it's just, it, it, it's amazing and it, it's so humbling when you hear that, those comments from people you don't know. You know, your friends are always going to say, oh, God, you were great, <laughs> but, you know, whether you were or weren't. But when I um, get those type of, of comments or hear that if, if, you know, I get a chance to, to interact with with, you know, the, some of the fans that I did, you know, at the Ring Warriors taping and looking forward to uh, seeing them ag again next week, especially with my, you know, history in, in Las Vegas uh, with the showboat and the AWA. And then when I did LPWA, you know, we, we taped uh, at the Riviera Hotel. We taped down in Laughlin. Um, it just, it's it just, you know, a, amazing uh to me, uh, and next uh, August, uh, through Martin D'Amato and, and T-Mart uh, Promotions, I'm going down to, they're bringing me down to the, the gathering down in Charlotte um, to, to interact with fans, do you know autographs and, and photos, and I think a QA. and a um, And when they announced me, I mean, you know, the, the positive feedback from people I don't know, you know, saying that's one of, you know, meeting him is, you know, I'm going to be able to cross it off my bucket list or so excited. I mean, it's just, um, it, it's amazing. Uh, and you, you know, I, I'm just so humbled, um, by that. And even when I went out to ring warriors, a lot of the, the young guys, uh, came up and said, Oh, it's so great to meet you. You know, I've, I've watched you and, you know, I kind of forget that so much of that is on YouTube or WWE Network now, where even people in the industry that I've never met and, and you know, uh, probably hadn't even gotten started, you know, when I was, you know, done with my heyday in AWA and WWF, know you and, and express either you know, uh, pleasure in, in meeting you or tell you how much they appreciated your work. I mean, it, it really doesn't get much better than that. Oh, that's awesome. And that's why we want to tell them more about the Ring Warriors promotion, the Ring Warriors show on WGN. And uh, please, as we wrap it up, share with the fans and the listeners of the Two Man Power Trip where they can find anything and everything going on in the world 
of Killer Ken himself, brother Ken Resnick. Well, uh, one thing I, I should say, it's my understanding that, um, you know, most cable uh, systems and, you know, DirecTV has WGN America, which is their, their super station. Uh, there's also, I think, just a, a WGN. So Ring Warriors is on WGN America. Um, Saturday mornings, it's on 8 o'clock. Eastern time and Pacific West Coast time, and it's on 7 a.m. Saturday mornings, uh, Central time and Mountain time. Uh, and for more about uh, Ring Warriors, they have a, a, a Facebook page that they're very active with. Uh, and I've also got you know my own uh, Facebook page, but you know both of which pales in comparison to the two-man power trip. <laughs> oh, that's, you're too kind. <laughs> you're making us, you're making us blush. Now, like, we really appreciate you coming on and, uh, and spending some time with us. And thank you very much there for the end, because like I said, one of the first people I ever saw on uh, WWF television was, uh, was Ken Resnick. So it's uh, an honor for us. And we appreciate you taking the time this evening. Uh, uh, Chad and John, it, it was absolute my pleasure. And anytime. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.